Welcome to the Big Niang Theory. Let me ask you one question. This is my podcast. Joel is a card shark. Danny gets swindled. Fashion, I just like stuff that looks good. Greatness just breeds greatness, and we all fit right in. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Big Niang Theory with George Niang and Lauren Rosen. Today's a unique episode. It's more or less us having some cool dialogue maybe me giving the listeners a little background information about myself without uh, any guests uh, distracting us. So I'm actually pretty excited about today. And I like that despite being the guest, you opted into introducing yourself. So I think because you did, we can just jump right in. You know what? That was probably a little extra of me you know what i mean but thanks for calling me out on that you're you're good for that you know what i mean keeping me humbled whatever let's set the scene today and i'm comfortable doing this because i'm going to turn this podcast around quickly today was your first practice with your new teammates yeah what's it been like what was today like how are we feeling you know it's kind of like a breath of fresh air to be honest with you to know like who your team is going to be like moving forward there's kind of like life put in put it a new life put into the team where you know we knew the situation coming into the year we had to play games but now that you know you have such a talented piece and James Harden and a player like Paul Millsap that you know can affect the game on both ends of the floor I think um, that brought excitement to the team Um, you know I I think we feel very confident going forward obviously we know it isn't going to be easy we still have our work cut out for us but you know James brought a a light and, a, and an energy to practice today where, you know, he's flying around, the ball's flying around, he's making threes, you know, and Paul with his veteran presence. It was just something that was exciting to see. It, it's almost like you can see the end of the tunnel and, you know, what we're building and it's all coming to light, which is which is really exciting because call, call a spade a spade within hours of the trade deadline. You know, you want to go about your day normally, but I mean, I remember I was laying down on the massage table thinking like, all right, well, like how is this going to go if we don't do anything? And, you know, when you make a big splash and, you know, we essentially got a guy who was an all-star, you know, at the moment playing for a guy that was not playing, you know? So I, I think we're extremely excited, you know, to, to get the ball rolling and, and see what happens next. So for background, one of the reasons why we wanted to do this episode was we've had a lot of really positive feedback of, of people getting to know our first few guests on a deeper level, um, but realizing that those first few guests have been around longer than you have been. I'm talking about Furkan, Tyrese, and Matisse. So people know these people, Philly and they vets. don't know Philly you. Yeah. So a lot of the feedback that I've gotten is that they want to hear you answer some of the same questions. And so I think what we could do is sort of go chronologically backwards, right? Like let's start with today and end up where you came from. Something that stood out to me when you spoke to media in your most recent availability was your recollections playing against James Harden in the playoffs. And I'm sorry to bring up a sore spot. thank, Thank you. But what do you remember about that? And can you take us through, like, what makes you so excited? When you think about those moments and if you can detach yourself a little bit from the pain, what excites you about having him on your side now as you head down the stretch? I think the thing that I remember is just the tough shots that he makes and putting pressure on defense where, you know, you can just never – you're never able to relax as a defense. Like, he's always putting pressure on, you know – 
your defense, whether if it's driving the ball or faking like he's going to drive the ball or skipping the ball across the court. And then, like I said, I obviously said today in a media availability, I said the most underrated thing about him is that he's so smart. Like the way and he's like pointing people around and putting guys in different places, it's like he's 10 steps ahead of the defense and wants to manipulate the defense. In the first quarter, he'll see how this, you know, this format or this set looks. And then in the fourth quarter, he'll be like, all right, well, that didn't work, but this works. And he's like moving guys around. And when I said he was like a basketball savant, savant it's because he's like someone out there that's just picking you apart mentally and then has the athletic ability and the talent to beat you single-handedly. And uh, like I said, when you can add someone like that, you know, halfway through the year or three-quarters through the year, I mean, that's just special. You don't – those blockbuster – they're called blockbuster deals for a reason. They don't happen um, every day. So I'm, I'm thrilled to have him as a talent. And that's what I'm most excited about playing alongside him is, you know, picking his brain. And, you know, I like to think of myself as someone that thinks the game of basketball and – to have him alongside, to see what he thinks, to understand what's going on through his mind. I'm just really excited uh, moving forward, especially, you know, we have a chance to compete for a championship. I think that's the biggest thing. Obviously, you have a history playing against him, so you knew how smart he was and you knew the way that he directed his offense when you were a defender. But were you at all surprised to see what he was able to do with guys that he's never played with on day one like was I wasn't there so was it apparent that he was like was it interesting to watch him be on your side and be that savant like on day day one with players he's never played with before yeah so today we did a lot of like five on oh like offense and you know you get to see he's so game like in his in his preparation everything he does is you know constantly doing stuff at game speed, making reads, trying to make accurate passes or pointing out to other people, hey, if I do this, then you should do this because this is what's going to happen in the game. Or if they try to guard me like this, flip this screen this way so I can get to my left hand or my right hand or, you know. And it's just the fact that someone can be so diligent and devour the details in a 5 on zero, like and that takes a lot of talent to do that because a lot of people look at 5 and 0 as like, you know, this is time for me to just trot around. And those are things that he's taken so serious, which makes you appreciate how great he is in games because the work was already put in. So this is him just free-flowing and, and doing what he loves. And I just think that's so impressive. And 2019 was the last time you saw him in the playoffs, right? It was, yeah. So right before the bubble. Okay. Um, yeah. And what do you remember about that series? You know, I, I remember being down 3-0, and obviously, you know, um, once you're down 3-0, it's, you know, pretty tough to win. I don't I don't think anybody has. People have come back from 3-1, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, that's happened to me also. But, you know, just his ability to just get guys shots, get Clint Capella shots, to impact the game. You know, it seemed like it didn't matter who was out on the floor. If he was out on the floor, you know, the other team was, was in good hands. No NBA team has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit. Yeah, so, yeah, when you're down 3-0, it's like, all right, let's try to get one. I remember we won one in Utah and then had to go to Houston, and it didn't end up working out. I mean, he was carrying that franchise, and it was very impressive at an elite level. I mean, I remember us having a scouting report where we are just like, we don't want him shooting step backs, like, so just let him drive or make him drive. And it's like – 
it was it was almost like he, he drove and then he was passing He's and other guys too. are making threes and then he's throwing <laughs> lobs and it's like you're looking at the coaching staff like what do you want like you know I, you want him to make him drive but he's killing that too so I'm just really happy to have him on uh on our side now it, it, it's a relief and I'm excited and so before we dive too far back in this reverse timeline that we're using on this podcast can we talk a little bit about Joel and what he's been able to do since we, the last time we sat down for a recording was like a month ago. Yeah. Um, and in that time he's become <clears throat> the MVP front runner and some would say it's not that close. What's it been like to be his teammate in the last few weeks? Uh, Joel's done an amazing job since I've been here of really dialing in on the little things and, you know, they've changed his game drastically. Um, you know, whether if it's holding us accountable, holding himself accountable, doing thing, the little things that help his team win games and help him be the best Joel that um, he can be. I mean, he's impacting the game defensively. He's playing a, a ton of minutes, um, and he's doing it at an elite level. Um, I think that's so impressive that you have a big man that usually when big men get double teamed, they tend to struggle, right? And it seems like Joel – thrives individually and then helps us thrive as a team like we just played Cleveland and they're guarding him with Jared Allen and then sending over Evan Mobley and those are like two seven footers and he's making fadeaway jumpers he's passing the guys in the middle he's kicking to the other side I just think the way he's handled everything in his life and then now everything on the court it's just like how can you not you know root for this guy how can this guy not be like hands down the MVP candidate like what what more do you want to see uh, you know from a standpoint where it's like the most valuable player yes Joel is our most valuable player without a doubt and the fact that you know I, I saw some today him and Will Chamberlain the only ones to have like 40 point triple doubles like come on like are we really just because he's done it like 25 like he's had 25 plus points in however many games oh it's expected no that's not unique I've never been um yeah what the heck I've never <laughs> I've never been um around a player or seen a player that's been able to score at will and demand that much attention on the offensive end and be still be dominant so this podcast is going to come out before Joel and James ever play a game together um for context yeah. james is out through the all-star break this was released today um because he's rehabbing that left hamstring injury so yeah. you and i are both sort of waiting to see what they look like on the court together but now having explained what makes james special and what makes joel special all the chatter in the media is about like what's it going to look like when the two of them finally play together mm. i feel that obviously not as a member of the team do you feel that? What do you think it's going to look like? What excites you about it? You have a really unique perspective that only 15 people in the world have, sort of waiting for these two to actually go out there together. Right. Um, you know, I've had to be on the other side of, you know, scouting reports for Joel and for James, right? And we've done scouting reports for James while I've played with Joel. You have to guard these guys with more than one person. And if you don't, that leads to... 30 40 like points and the thing about us is that when you have a dynamic guy like Joel that demands a double team okay so that means you're not going to leave James if you're, if you're going to double team Joel right and that means you have three other guys that are playing 
at a plus one advantage, right? And Tyrese has been really good this year. Tobias has been really good. Um, Matisse, Ferk, Shake. You know, you go down the list, we have guys that can score, and they can definitely score if they're not being guarded, too, because you have to guard those other guys. So it just offers a dynamic where you have two superstars, two guys that are the elite of the elite all time in the NBA at scoring the basketball, and you have them on one court. I mean, it just makes for something that is going to be special. Um, and the, the best part is people don't ever realize that, you know, James – you had games where he had like 17, 15, 14 assists in Brooklyn with two other superstars. Um, so he can pass the ball. This is not going to be a thing where it's like there's only one ball. Like we're playing with guys, two guys that are eager to win, eager to, you know, get a championship and play at an elite level. And the way they work is is second to none. You went down the list of guys that are going to benefit from the two of them each drawing doubles, yep. and you didn't mention yourself. So I'll give you some credit because oh, I know you call me out when I don't. Yes, George, career highs across the board for you this year, playing wow. the best basketball you've played since coming into the NBA in 2016. You're going to be one of those guys that's a recipient of what James does best. Yes. How – like – are you excited? How are we feeling? I can't imagine what that's like to already be having the best season of your career and then bring in one of the best distributors to ever distribute as someone that gets distributed to yeah. in order to literally make I, a career. I, I thrive off of being distributed to. I know. Yes. Um, I mean, the way he picks defenses apart, you know, and I could be a recipient of getting open threes and open shots, you know, just by his presence of being on the court and his ability to play make, I'm, I'm thrilled. Um, it's going to be great. He's going to create so many um, open threes for our team, um, guys to get open looks, open driving lanes, because he's just going to draw so much attention. And like I said, you have two guys in Joel and James that draw so much attention. The other three guys are just going to be able to feast. Um, just off those guys, you know, drawing the amount of attention that they do. I'm looking forward to it. George, more about you. One of the other questions that I got most frequently um, that folks want me to ask you. I'm nervous. What, are we, what is this? What's the question that people want to know about me? So you make a lot of threes. You make most of them in the corner. And almost always do you turn around and yell at someone. People want to know what you're saying. Um... Is this the PG version? Yes. Or, um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing for me is I play with a lot of emotion and I sometimes, you know, try to get myself going and get myself worked up. I feel like, you know, an angry George may be a, a better George on the court. I mean, Philly fans, they get it. You know what I mean? Like, you kind of got to have that mean streak and, you know, not take crap from anybody. And, um, Obviously, when you're shooting in front of the other team's bench, there's always someone that has something to say, whether if it's the, oh, he's with us, or hell no, or ain't no way that's going in. And, like, you know, a, a part of you in the midst where you're shooting is like, oh, I can't wait for this to go in so I can turn around and tell him, you know what I mean? And that's kind of how it happens. And, you know, through the midst of the game, there's people that are chattering while you're running by the bench, like, you know, saying this, saying that, oh, you are too nervous to shoot, da, 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 and you make one. It's one of those where you just want to be like, hold that, like, <laughs> like hold that. And sometimes I get, 
I, it's like an out of body experience. Like sometimes I'm just so emotionally invested in the game that like I just do something with my hands or point at them or say something. And uh, with the referees, I, I can't do that because it's led to some technicals and <laughs> we don't need those. But um, towards the bench, it's like I want to let you know, like um, I fear nobody and a, a little yip yapping, a little chitter chat, um, whether if it's to a fan, a heckling fan, or to uh, the opposing bench. I like, I like to have a little fun with it. It's funny because you mentioned just specifically the language that you chose of like there's no way that's going in as something that people will say to you. I know for a fact that that's something you say to others because you told the story of the first time you played against Tyrese oh, yeah. when you were playing for Utah and he <laughs> tried for a floater. You told him there was no chance. Yeah. And then he And now look at him. He's what? putting up all-star numbers. <laughs> He's been amazing. Yeah. Um, do you? What do you say if if it's your own bench behind you? Like, do you turn around and like get bummed that you can't say something? To no, him? I probably just yell something. Probably at like uh, Sam Cassell or something. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, you like that, Sam? You like that? <laughs> you want more of that, Sam? Um, no, but I mean, we have a fun group of guys. So, amidst like being on the game and being super serious, there's moments where you can have dialogue with the bench that's like fun or. You know what I mean? Like, I think the best part about this group is that we just enjoy each other. Like, it's not like we're waking up and going to work. Like, we're, it's like you're waking up and going to hang with, you know, 15, 16, 17 of your closest friends. We have a close group. Everybody gets along. And um, we're excited to welcome James and, and Paul along because I think the chemistry that we've built um, and synergy that we have is going to be super easy to to have those guys coming in and make an impact especially you know on the court but also off the court I, I think we're all gonna continue to have fun enjoy each other we have quirky things that we do whether if it's Tobias with his binoculars before the game um, picking someone to go dunk and lay up lines or the the dancing on the sideline uh, where everyone everyone's each other's biggest cheerleader and when you have that it, it's special it's been cool to see you guys maintain that too because at the beginning of the season there was a lot of chatter about how well you guys were getting along and going to dinners and playing your games during shoot around and, and whatever yeah. and I think again as someone who's not on the team I can't help but wonder how long that lasts right and and you've had some awesome winning streaks you've had some tougher times and it is cool to see that chemistry like enduring over time um, it's been a pleasure to watch yeah no I mean uh, credit to you know the leaders on our team that do that you know Joel Tobias um, even Tyrese is getting in the mix. I think the biggest thing that I noticed coming here, though, was, you know, with the whole situation and credit to Doc Rivers is he always puts the team number one. And there was never going to be one person that was going to um, impede the team's progress going forward, even the situation that had happened earlier. Um, you know, I remember when we talk about it, Doc would be like, you know, we are not going to let one person be more valuable than us as a group. And when you have a leader that's leading a group like that, you may have a four-game losing streak. You may have a six-game losing streak. But water always finds its level. If you guys can continue to find ways to stick in together, make it about each other, not about yourself, um, you, you somehow you look up and next thing you know you've lost – four in a row but you come and turn around and you win seven in a row like it you just find ways to make things happen so you know credit to our leaders and you know credit to doc because that was a big thing that was preached um moving forward 
you know, that this is about the team. This isn't about any about you guys. It's about the team. Let's move away from the court. What have you made of Philadelphia so far? Oh, the food. I love it. I love it so much. Um, I literally try to find new places to eat all the time. Um, obviously, you know, my favorite brunch place. I think everybody knows this. Cafe Lamad, um, hands down. Um, but even like the little, you know, hole in the wall places like Double Knot, you know, I Double mean, Knot is not a hole in the wall. Well, yeah, I mean, you you drop you if you're going by, you would not see that it's okay, there. Okay, yeah, okay, so fair. hole. So how's that not a hole in the wall? Because well, I think a hole in the wall is something that's like not on the radar. But <sighs> it's not on the radar. Like the Philadelphia like zeitgeist. Okay. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, now because people are putting it on the map, but you're not walking by and seeing like, oh, looking for the big Double yeah, Knot yeah, okay, sign. Okay, okay, fine. Um, Pan. Um. Elvez. Um, where else do we have? You know what I haven't? I'm out on the lookout for, and I'll take Twitter recommendations. Is a good Italian place. Oh I my god, there's so many. I know. I don't think I've been to anyone. There's so. I've told you already. I know. I'm the worst. But I evangelize Radicchio yeah. on Fourth and Wood. It's the oh, best. that's right. That's it's right. So Furcon told you to go there on the podcast, yes, George. You are right. Months ago. You are right. And I, I feel like I said I needed a good Italian place to go to on that podcast, and I haven't followed through. Another place that I go to, shout out my people at Harp and Crown. Great bowling alley. Lots of fun down there. Oh, man. Just Good. A, I think the, the coolest part about Philly is that, you know, I don't ever look at myself as something bigger than anybody else. And I think Philadelphia has people that, you know, are normal people and everyday hardworking people. And I look at myself like that where, you know, we can sit down and enjoy a conversation. There hasn't been a time in Philly where I'm like, oh, I'm getting bombarded or, you know what I mean? It's it's good quality people, good quality conversation, and just genuine people that care. I mean, I know they're like, oh, they're tough, they're this, they're that, but they care. And I think you want that as a player in a city, that you want people that actually care about the thing that you put, the craft that you put so much time into. It's interesting because you just talked about the fact that you play emotionally. Yeah. And Philadelphia is emotionally yeah. invested in its teams, and that's why you guys are such a good match. Um, you started your career in Indiana, but you didn't spend that much time there. You spent the bulk of it in Utah. Just off the top of your head, how different? Like, what did you love? What do you miss about Utah? But what do you love about Philly? Like, they're two of the most different markets that you could possibly have spent your career in. So tell me about the contrast. Yeah, so I've lived in the city, whichever you want to call it, however you want to call it, in Salt Lake City, in the city of Salt Lake City. And that's totally different than living in the city of Philadelphia. Um, you know, I hate to admit this, but my parallel parking skills are subpar. Terrible. Subpar, I can yeah. Help you. I can help yeah. Um, but you know, so that was an adjustment at first. But uh, I think the the best part about it is like the hustle and bustle of like the city. Like my favorite part is like before games. You know, driving through driving through the city and seeing the the mailman or seeing the guy walk home from work with his Sixers starter jacket on and you're you know you represent that and just the whole drive in you know down 95 and then you get to see the football uh stadium a baseball field you know it it's it's just a a feeling that you know you don't often get but I can appreciate it every time that you know I, I pass through the whole city and before I go to work every day and it's just the emotions, the thoughts, the, 
I don't want to say fantasies, but it's like, you know, you bring a championship home to Philadelphia. Like you, I've said this before, like you're good forever. Mm -hmm. Like you will walk around here and never be forgotten whether you're a guy one or a guy, you know, 15, 16, 17, like this place takes care of their own. And those thoughts go through your head when you're, you know, going to the arena. Um, you know, it, it's a special city. It's, I've, I've had a lot of good, uh, memories here. Um, and I, I'm looking to make more, but one that definitely like shook me a little bit was, so I, obviously I live on a pretty busy street. I'm not going to disclose that information, Please but, don't. um, you know, I remember it was like six in the morning and, uh, you know, in Philadelphia, the streets are a little smaller than they would be in Utah. There's more space and which I loved Utah. Utah had great mountains, you know, great people. It was, a I enjoyed my time there. I have no ill will towards that state or those fans or the team. Um, but obviously getting back to the story, the streets are smaller in Philadelphia and there was a truck that was unloading at six in the morning and, uh, stopped. So obviously, you know, cars are parallel parked on both sides and, um, all I wake up to is like, uh, 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 and then like in someone's like hard Philly accent, they're like, Hey buddy, why don't you get the out of the road? <laughs> and you just hear them going back and forth. And like, I was so exhausted, but all I could do is like, just with my eyes closed, just like smile and be like, yep, this is, this is definitely Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, I, I, I laugh and think about that, but it's it's part of what makes Philly Philly. I've never been to Ames, Iowa, but I would imagine that it has even less going on than Salt Lake City, Utah. So going backwards actually makes a lot of sense because you're going from a big city, yeah, from a mid-sized city, from a town. What do you miss most about your days there? Because now having having done this podcast with you and yeah. having gotten to know George Niang fans a lot better, a lot of them are in Iowa. Like oh, those people yeah. love you. So what do you miss most about that environment? Um, you know, college, uh, it was pure, right? Um, you know, you, you go to school every day. You, you, I'm in class. I'm in the dining hall with the people that are in the sta same people that are in the stands, you know, cheering you on. And, um, you know, I felt like it was the first time I left new England. Well, it was the first time I left new England and was embraced by a whole nother community. Um, so that's like your first love, right? You're always going to miss, um, your first love. Cause I mean, four years, it goes by so quick. And then I hate to say it, but it's like, I don't want to say you're forgotten, but people don't like, well, there's new people coming yeah, in. Exactly. Too. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like, um, I was, I don't say, I, I hate to say it like this, but I was like a number in a system, but like, yeah, I tried to leave my mark, leave my legacy. But at the end of the day, like there's a new George Niang or new guy coming in that is, you know, that they want to cheer on, that those kids are going to look up to. Like the kids that look up to me that were young are like, they're, they're the ones that are going to be going to Iowa state soon. So, um, I'm, I definitely miss the people and I think the people definitely make the place. Um, the fan support was unreal, um, but I, I think you know you, you, the camaraderie of of college sports. It's like you guys are all working towards the same goal. Like not everybody's going home to a nice luxurious house. You guys are all struggling together. You're all getting through six a.m. conditioning. You're all. It's that's the part that you miss because it's like once you turn professional, like all those things change. Like yeah, 
you go home, you beat yourself up, but you know, you're, you're well taken care of. You can go home to a nice house, a good family. You know what I mean? In college, it was like, you have a loss. You're like hurting, you know what I mean? Because, you know, the next day you might have a three hour practice where in the NBA, it's like, you might have a game the next day and you got to be able to just flush what just happened. Where in college, you had to sit that, let that marinate, um, watch yourself from your dorm room on ESPN where, you know, I feel like now I can easily turn off the the TV and and plug into something else. Before Iowa State was the Northeast and New England. And this is a part of your life that I don't think you've talked about that much because you weren't speaking to media when you were a kid in Boston. I know you're close to your mom. Yep. Can you tell me a little bit about her, a little bit about what, your upbringing was like and like what that place growing up there I think it informed your personality today quite a bit so can you walk us through just what it was like to be a kid in the Boston area um you know it was uh, I mean I lived you know such a great childhood and you know I I love you know giving back to to the youth because I know the opportunities that I was given um you know I aren't given to everybody. So I want everybody to have those those same opportunities, you know, that I was given. But growing up in Massachusetts, I was, you know, lucky enough to have, you know, a mom and a dad involved in my life. And, you know, my mom's brothers, my uncles and aunts were constantly involved in my upbringing. And I remember my mom always telling me, like, it takes a village, you know, to raise a child. And I was lucky Especially enough. Especially if your child is you. Yeah. Oh, my God. oh th- thank you. Was that a compliment? <laughs> um, no, but um, so... It, I just had so many great people in my life, whether if it was, you know, my uncles, my dad, my dad's brothers. And uh, so I was lucky enough to be pushed in, you know, all the right directions. And, you know, growing up, my mom was always making sacrifices, whether if it was, you know, taking time out of her day or from work or doing things that she liked to drive me to hockey practice, to wrestling practice, basketball practice, AAU, you know, sleepovers with friends. Like she was always going above and beyond. And I, you know, never have ever seen her turn down something for me for herself um which is you know what moms are for and that's my rock she's amazing um but that being said you know I went to public school for eight years and then my eighth grade year I went to a boarding school and when I tell people like yeah I went to a boarding school there seems to be a thought that would lead them to believe that I was a horrendous kid, which mom, if you are listening to this, don't admit that I was a horrendous kid. Does she listen to the podcast? I think she might. Um, (laughs) But no, they would, they would think like, oh, you must've been getting in trouble all the time. But that wasn't the case. Um, You know, I had to try really hard in school and, you know, I'm a talker. And when there's 30 plus kids in the class and one teacher it was easy for me to get distracted from what was going on in the class and talking with my friends. Um, so therefore, they decided to send me to a boarding school that was like 250 kids, um, the Tilton School in New Hampshire. And um, it was a boarding school, and there was like 10 kids a class. So it was one teacher with 10 kids. So it was like, I'm a big person of relationships. So I got to mingle with the teacher like as if like we were peers but they were also teaching me and I was building their trust and you know they were teaching me 
specific things where, you know, in a 30-person class where kids are just like, if they write it up on the board, if you don't get it, you're getting left behind rather than them pulling me along. Um, so long story short, it just gave me structure in my life um, that I needed. You know, we went to school Monday through Saturday, half a days on Saturday. Yeah, when I tell people that, I'm like, oh, my God, I went to school on Saturday. Like, that's crazy. Um, but... It was half a day Wednesday, half a day Saturday. So we kind of, it kind of like equaled out. It had something to do with like, I want to say game sports because everybody had to do an activity. So sometimes you'd have to travel two, three hours to go play a sport. So Wednesdays were the days that you played along with um, Saturdays. But we had study hall from eight to 10. Um, you had like breakfast cleaning crew. Like it almost sounds like it's terrible, but it was like the best structure that I needed. Like I had to, I remember I, I had to learn how to do my own laundry. Like there was one time my freshman year, I'm sitting in a building and I'm looking at it and I'm like, dang, is, that's, that looks like my polo. Is that like my polo? And, you know, my mom would do my laundry when I was at home. So I went and did laundry at the school, like in the laundry room and left it there for two weeks and my clothes were everywhere. George. Oh, I know. <laughs> it was bad. But you got to look, like those are like the life lessons that you yeah. have to learn like the hard way where you're like, all right, like I'm not going to be lazy. I'm not going to wait like an hour for my laundry. I'm going to sit down there on one day and get it all done. Do you still do your own laundry? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the face you made. You could still do it? Yeah. If, I, okay. if need be, I could get it done. Like if something needs to be washed, I could get it done. But So besides doing your own laundry – when you're not at practice and you're not playing and you're not traveling for games, what do you do for fun these days outside of your job? Ooh, I'm a big, um, is this appropriate Netflix and, and chill like by myself? <laughs> yes, it's appropriate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love like catching up on like documentaries. Like I'm like a super nerd for like history. Like I'm almost embarrassed to say it because I could sit and watch like World War One, World War Two docu documentaries or like. Um, it's not my intention to use the other episodes against you, but you made fun of me for saying that I was into British history on the Matisse episode. So now that you're coming I, out, I know, as but a this is like, a, a yeah, we were talking about beds. Yeah, I know, but you were making fun of me for like being into nerdy stuff. Oh, this well, is exciting well, for me to well, learn. Well, I'm being vulnerable right now, and I feel like you're punishing me for no, being I'm, vulnerable. Uh, well, okay, no, I sh which I should never do. No, so that's a good I'm just call kidding. out. We have that relationship, where we can go back and forth like that. But um, that is true. I shouldn't have done that. But it's okay. history, I shouldn't have done this. His, <laughs> history. We had a moment. <laughs> history is actually just like fascinating. Like I'm to think that like life happened with like no cell phones, no Instagram, no Twitter. Like I, I'm mad at myself that I use the word like so much, but. I'm mad at you too. Cause I try to edit it out sometimes. Um, it's uh, it's cool. I love history. And I, uh, besides, you know, hanging out, playing uh, or sitting back and, and watching Netflix. I, I'm a basketball junkie. I love sitting back, watching basketball. Um, I try to spend an hour or two hours of my day contacting my family, whether that's talk on the phone, text, FaceTime, new uh, new thing, this FaceTime thing we have. Yeah, they didn't have that back I in know. World War One. Yeah, War II. so um, it's uh, I, I like to take time because you know this life is uh, I wouldn't say lonely, but you know you do miss your family. It's isolated. Yeah, there are moments where you you don't have the time that you want, and you know. Uh, I've been lucky enough to get home for holidays since we are close, but where you miss out on those moments, and I think those moments are huge. 
in family development, whether, you know, it's, it's a, your grandmother or your brother, sister, mom, dad. Um, I always like to take time on my day to catch up with them and, and not miss those moments. It's crazy how much history is interesting now compared to when we were in school. I don't know if you share that experience, yeah. but history used to be a thing where I memorized all the facts and I got good grades on my tests, but oh, I wasn't actually Oh, you were that, that girl, huh? I got very good grades, George. <laughs> the people that listen to this are not going to be surprised <laughs> to hear that I got good grades. But I was like memorizing stuff because I had to, not because I thought it was interesting. Right, and then it's right. interesting now as adults that I've had this conversation with so many people. Like, so much of the stuff we were learning is actually really cool. Yeah. But at the time, we didn't appreciate it at all. You're spitfiring some facts like off just some documentary. You... I'm so interested. In, I mean, like the British royal family. I, Anything royal family related from like 1700, I mean, way earlier than that, but anything British aristocracy from like the beginning to now, I. Oh, you love it, huh? I love it. I eat it up. Why can't we get you memorizing like MBA history statistics? I mean, I can do that too, but that's my profession. So I wanted to ask you about that. How much NBA do you watch outside of your own team? Oh, League Pass. Uh huh. All that. It's on all the TVs. Who are you having the most fun watching this season? Um, you know what? Recently, I've actually enjoyed watching the Trailblazers, like a young group. Like, um, obviously, you know, Damian Lillard is a special talent, um, but you know, those young guys have done a great job of you know winning games. Um, I catch myself watching the Warriors a ton. Um, Obviously, you know, being that I did play on Utah, I like to watch my boys and uh, hope that they hope that they do well. Um, but there's no real one team. I mean, obviously, you try to watch the teams in like your division, whether it's Brooklyn, um, Boston. Um, you you just I, you get trapped in like you you know you're looking at your phone, you get an update. It's like such and such is a close game, and then you're you're changing to that game, and it just seems like from seven to like midnight every night is like. I'm almost nervous for All-Star break. It's like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to occupy those five hours um, of time? Because, um, you know, as much as this is a job, it is something that I really enjoy. I, I tell someone all the time, if someone told me they'd pay my bills for the rest of my life and all I had to do was play basketball, I would do it again and again and again. It's interesting that you said the Trailblazers first because one of your close friends is a new trailblazer. Joe I thought Ingles. we could send him a little bit of love because obviously he was recently yes. injured, and I know you've been doing that, and I'm, I know you've talked to him and, and all that, but he's one of the all-time good guys and a, and a guy that so many people on your team now in Philadelphia have affinities for. Yeah. So just sending him a little bit yes, of love Joe at the end of this podcast. Joe Ingles, we're sending you good vibes uh, I wonder if Joe there. Ingles listens to the podcast. I don't know. He's your mom, Joe Ingles, my mom. That might be it. Hey, all we need It's a squad. All though. we need is three fans. George, I feel like I learned more about you. There I really go. enjoyed this. Good. And if anyone's listening and wants to hear more, we can always do questions with George at the beginning or end of, of any episode. Um, there have been a lot of requests for guests. Ooh. Um, I don't know if I should name any of them explicitly, but we have some interest as well. We so do. good guests are coming down the pike for sure. I think that's a guarantee. Yes, they are. They are. We uh <laughs> You know, with the with the COVID outbreak that we had, we kind of had to slow we up. We had on, to take a little on, break. Yeah, on, on how much content we were getting because we were rolling for a little bit. Um, but now I think we're back on the horn. The playoffs are coming up. The podcast is going to be booming. Let's roll.
Let's do it. George Niang, thank you so much for joining The Big Niang Theory with George Niang. This is my podcast. I hope you enjoyed your stay. <laughs> Thanks, George. Thank you. Thank you.